the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking investing, real estate, retirement issues, whatever. If you want to get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Today I have with me Val Vandervoort with the Vandervoort Group, Keller Williams. You can find her at valvandervoort.com. I'll spell that out a little bit later. It's been a good run in real estate. That's what you do, right? Oops, hold on. Now the mic's on. Yep, that's what I do. So, um, as a real estate, you're a real estate agent? That's right. Okay. Realtor. Realtor. Um, if you saw that Modern Family episode last week, very funny. On the pronunciation of uh, Just, they did a little bit about the realtor definition and the, the humor kind of behind it. Gotcha. Um, you're kind of hip and cool then, if you're watching Modern Family. Uh, a great program. So. One so, of the best writing out there, I think. Good for you. So. Um, so, okay, so you're a realtor in the Bay Area. That means you make big dollars. Well, some people might perceive that. <laughs> some people might perceive that. It's, um, I know realtors get a percentage of every sale. That's right. Um, so it's probably better to be a realtor here than, say, in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I mean, they they have a cheaper cost of living than we do here. We certainly are, you know, have a face a very high cost of living in this area. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know. Definitely our commissions are different here than they are in a lot of parts of the country. What's the competition to be a realtor like in the Bay Area? (laughs) So there are, especially when the market's been very hot, there's a lot of people coming in and taking the test to get their license. And I had one person explain it to me when I got into the business like 12 years ago that it's the easiest to get into, the easiest field to get into, but it's one of the hardest to stay in, that it is very competitive. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. How tough is the test? Because I work in the world of CFPs. Yeah. And that's a three-year testing cycle. And yeah. it's got a pretty high fail rate of over 50%. Yeah. I'm not sure what the failure rate on it is. You know, I think... Is it easy to study for? It's pretty easy to study for. The thing that's weird about it is that they ask you questions that do not relate to what you're doing on a daily basis in real estate. 
you know, their nuts and bounds and, you know, acres and stuff like that. And, you know, in our area, we're not so much dealing with even acreage and definitely not talking about nuts and bounds and things like that. So it's not very relevant to what you really do in the real estate world. And yet you probably see all sorts of things thrown at you as a realtor that you never would have thought would be thrown at you. Like, can I get that oak tree taken out before I buy the house? And you're like, no. <laughs> That's right. There, yeah. Every client and situation is different and you constantly have new things coming at you that you have to figure out, you know, answers and where to go to for the answers for those things. I've always been impressed by good realtors because there's a difference between someone who's good and someone who's average. And it's just, it's a ton of homework that you're probably doing from 7 p.m. till midnight while you're, you know, husband's putting the kids to sleep and things along those lines because it's it's a lot of marketing it's a lot of thinking it's a lot of you know getting the right the right idea out there the right pitch the right marketing materials put together yeah there's a lot of pieces to it being knowledgeable about the market and then also how to deliver your message very very good so who's buying a home right now we've had this pretty epic run since 2008 in real estate and then we had a pretty epic run from like 2000 to 2006 mm -hmm. then a couple down years but who's buying real estate well, so along the peninsula, we see a lot of dual income tech people okay. that are buying and they're, they're young, you know, they're say 35 and younger. A lot of the times that we see kind of coming in and fueling the real estate market from a buyer's perspective. Since we are over 35, yes. polite, politely saying, <laughs> do we hate the people under 35? No, or not at all. No. <laughs> and I, 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 you know, it's interesting. So lending you know, you need to have 20% down. So let's just say you're looking at a price point of a million. And so you've got to have your $200,000 down. And you think like, wow, kudos to these people that they have accumulated that kind of money to put down a down payment of 20% on a million dollar purchase. That it's amazing. You're making me happy because you are saying that, that there are people under 35. Because my biggest fear, and I, I live in this market, is that it's just people who are, you know, over 35 with inheritances. Um, and yeah. it's not a healthy market. So right. I, I need that under 35 to buy my house down the road so yeah. I can go into a bigger house and yep. keep the ecology going, so to speak. But it is a lot of, you know, tech money of, you know, they have gotten, one, they have good compensation and they also have some stock that they're able to liquidate in order to make those kind, to have that chunk of money for a down payment. So Google and Facebook employees are buying the houses of Yahoo and Exodus. And <laughs> Excited home. Yeah, yeah, that could, that, uh, maybe. <laughs> when I moved to the Bay Area 15 years ago, there was a woman who was hitting on me. And I only remember her AOL screen name was Seacliff Gal. Okay. And um, she had B2B kind of money. Um, so there was this whole um, Internet Capital Group was the name of the company. She had stock options. She bought a house with stock options in Santa Cruz on a cliff. Gorgeous. It looked like a, a two and a half, three million dollar kind of beautiful property. I'm like, there's something crazy wrong here. I've worked my whole life to start a company. <laughs> I've got it run it up and running. And like, she just used stock options of a company that went from a hundred to two bucks. Yeah. And, uh, it was just, just like, these are the buyers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it, the nice thing about, I think our current housing situation is that the lending is just much more responsible than it was at that time that I think people are doing more sound investment and purchasing of real estate. And, the lending on it is the lending wean people out or is it is it inclusive oh no i think it it definitely Weeds rules it. people out that they're you know 
it, it's really hard to come up with that, at least a 20% down payment. And that's the problem is that you're competing with people who are 30, 40, 50% down, and then appraisal contingencies get written out of the contract, and it just makes it incredibly challenging for that person who has put together 20% down and has not a penny more. What's that whole process like at this point in time? Um, is it you decide to buy a house, you get the 20% down. How long should someone expect to be looking and competing and losing bids mm. and coming back to the process, not getting discouraged? Yeah. So it definitely takes uh, some real fortitude to go through this market that you are going to probably get beat out a couple of times before it happens, that you – you know, it, it's a steep learning curve because in a – a situation where it's a multiple offer situation, which we're still seeing quite a bit of, that you the winning buyer typically has no contingencies, and so they've got to get comfortable with the fact that what you know how do they limit their liability and also buy a house at the same time? So it takes a, a couple of months to kind of figure that out. How easy is it to deal with the talking to a client about contingency issues? Because when I was looking, uh, I remember one of the houses I was looking at had a cracked foundation. Mm-hmm. And you have to make this decision. Do I want a million-dollar piece of property with a cracked foundation that could literally fall apart in an earthquake in earthquake country? Or do I just say no? And, like, you wrestle with it. And you never – like, yeah. 10 years ago, you never thought you would wrestle with that, that, that thought. Yeah. It, yeah. So it's a lot of communication about – one, looking at the disclosures and saying, okay, what are real risks here and what, you know, what price point will we put on those risks to try and limit that for them? What the, you know, going into it blindly saying, okay, here's the issue on the house. It's probably going to cost you about this to correct. Foundation issues are interesting because when we're inside the industry, they're not as intimidating as they are, I think, to the general consumer. It's like, okay, well, you can fix that crack with $5,000. And when you're looking at what your purchase price is, that's a pretty small amount relative to what your purchase price is because you're really paying for the dirt around here. Fair enough. But I saw the movie San Andreas. <laughs> yeah, so I want to hear about I want to hear about it. I haven't seen it. You're not talking me out of that, <laughs> that little crack. Uh, that's funny. With that said, it's Val Vandervoort. You can find her at valvandervoort.com. That's V-A-L-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-O-R-T.com. Val Vandervoort with the Vandervoort Group. We're talking real estate today. Take a break here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Money. Val Vandervoort with the Vandervoort Group is sitting in with me today. She works with Keller Williams. She's a realtor. If you have any questions, you can call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We're talking about Bay Area real estate, but we're also talking about real estate overall. Uh, Val, when I bought my first home, I was crazy intimidated. I was living in Washington, D.C. Um, I remember, and it's just funny to think about I got one mortgage, then I got a second mortgage for my down payment because I didn't have enough money for a down payment. Those days kind of seem over, don't they? Yeah, we're really... The first and the second kind of don't work together anymore. Not as as far as a purchase goes. It's why? pretty rare that we see that setup. Why is that? Is that just because of risks? Yeah, I think the 
after the mortgage meltdown of 2008, the lenders really started to want to see equity in the property by the owner and so really kind of went to the 20% down. Although we are starting to see uh, there's been some talk about FHA loans coming back that, you know, not having 20% down payment, have a 3% down payment and being able to get into a house. It's just in a competitive situation that can be challenging. What I remember about buying my first home was very, uh, like I said, it was kind of crazy because I'd never seen that much paperwork. Yeah. I work in the financial industry and they're like, okay, sign here. Okay, flip this page, sign here. Yeah. Okay, flip this page, sign here. Yeah. I'm like, what am I signing? Don't worry about it. Flip this page, sign here. <laughs> and, you know, the realtor or the mortgage lender, could, couldn't it be nicer in the world? Okay, this is the Fair Disclosure Act. You need to sign this. And I was like, I'm like, stop telling me. Because it just intimidated me to the point that I've bought houses before now where I just have the lawyer sign for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you ever meet people like me who are a little bit freaked out by the whole process? We want to do it. But there's just it's it's intimidating. Yeah. One of the things that we'll do is there are people who really want to read every word, which oh. is like, eh, you can't do that at the signing. So we'll get them the loan documents the day or two before we are actually signing so they can look through them. But it's so much boilerplate and a good escrow officer is typically who walks you through that signing. They do a great job of saying, okay, here's the pieces and here's what you need to pay attention to. The rest of the stuff doesn't much make a difference one way or the other. When I bought my first home, um, one of the things that, you know, comes back to the, you know, the memory of it was my first mortgage was 7%. The second was a little bit higher, like eight and a half percent. And um, I look back now, I'm like, whoa, that's you know, it's almost twice what it is now. It's not even twice what it yeah. is. It's, ex- it's exponentially cheaper now than it was then. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the reasons people still should consider buying homes. That's so. right. That I mean, that is amazing as far as they're still under 4% on loans. It's just unbelievable. And you think about times when it was like 18, 19, 20% and how brutal that would be. I don't, I tell people that you're not really buying a loan. I, I said you're buying a payment and payments at under 4% or a lot cheaper than payments at 7 or 8%. Yep. I couldn't afford my home now if it was at 7 or 8%. Yeah, yeah. It uh, makes a big difference on... The monthly nut would be much bigger as yep. far as uh, paying it off. Yep. So um, how often do you work with first-time buyers at this point? Uh, that's a great question. They're probably... We really enjoy working with first home, uh, first-time home buyers. I like the education process of working with them. They probably account for probably... Most of our most of our home buyers are really first time home buyers, and part of that is that function of it's hard to move up in this market right now. Okay. So there there's not as many people who are say selling their house and going on to the next house. So a lot of what's fueling the market is first time home buyers. Let's talk about those people who do move up. Um, I've thought about it, and I can't possibly do it. Mm. I'm like that whole you know letting go of a house while you're waiting yeah. to find one and then do you actually find one do you close on it does the person pull out um, that can get kind of tricky when people yes. want to move up for you yes it's a very tricky process of going through that of making the decision like are we going to sell first and know that we don't have a home and go out and buy or are we going to take on the risk of buying first and then turning around and selling our house and does the market change in that time frame which we've seen it do that in the past. In 2008, it was interesting to watch people who were in that situation of having bought and then turning around and selling as the market was changing. So there's it, there's risk both ways. But you don't see that very often, you're saying? No, I think a lot of people just can't stomach it, that just the uncertainty of selling their house out from underneath them and then where, do, where are they going to go next? 
my own psychology has changed um, since I've owned a home in the Bay Area. Before, I lived on the west, the East Coast, and, you know, 2,500 square feet was the ideal home. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, I, I don't want to say I want to live like a monk, but I don't want to live big. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of odd, because I look at the big houses in my neighborhood, and there's some big ones. Yeah. That were all teardowns, and they've kind of rebuilt there, and uh, I don't like them anymore. Mm-hmm. So hmm. that make it, I'm not saying I like cottage living, but it's more than enough for me. Well, and I think we have the benefit in the Bay Area of really mild weather, so you can use your outdoor space a lot. And I think that's the kind of saving grace for those people who coming, say, from Texas who are like, we've got a 5,000-square-foot house, and we sold it for, you know, 400000 and now we're looking at, you know, a 1,200-square-foot house that's going to cost us a million dollars or more. So um, I think that's the one thing that can make you feel a little bit better is that, you know, it's mild temperature outside. You can be outside more here. Yeah, this is a good time of year, too. Yeah, yep. Time of year where you start cleaning up the outdoor furniture and (laughs) everything ready for a little party or two. Yep. Um, As far as people who are buying, um, how how long is the cycle, would you say? Or is it is it all different? Are people, some people getting in and buying a house three months or under? Or is it taking some people a year and a half? Because it took me, I want to say nine nine months to twelve months. It took me a good year. I think if people really they are motivated and want to do it, they'll get it done in under three months. There's enough inventory out there. Uh, it's nice. At least it's building some uh, in the past few weeks, which is what we should see in the spring market anyway. But uh, yeah, there's enough that you know if you want to. If you're serious about going in after it, you, you can get it done. One of the houses that I looked at, or I saw on your Facebook page not too long ago, you, you, <laughs> you did something cute. You, oh, okay. You, it wasn't the one with all the trash on the floor. <laughs> one with all not the trash my on listing. The floor. Uh, that one was classic. And you said this one should come with a broom. Yeah. <laughs> are, is the housing market that strong that people are just honestly uh, putting up anything for sale and like not even repairing things? Because I would be embarrassed if that was my place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that that one was surprising to me that at a million dollars and just debris all over the floor. And I, I'm hoping that they they overhit that one and they're being a little bit too optimistic about it. Um, and that's what we're seeing in the market now is that there is some change that the buyers are putting down their feet and saying, "You've got to be kidding me! No, I'm not. I'm not going for that." That was another thing that I had to process when I was looking for a home that there wasn't. The inventory was good. It wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But I'd see this uh, house that a grandmother owned who had lived there for like 70 years. Mm-hmm. And it was just pink shag carpet. It was, you know, wood paneling in the kitchen. And you're like, oof. Mm-hmm. How often do you talk to your buyers and just go, just buy it and just re- do a remodel? It's interesting. I was just talking about that this morning earlier that to me, that's that's the best buy. Like if you okay. have to if you have to make a sacrifice somewhere. So let's say you've got a location and space amount of square footage and condition, I think sacrificing on condition is one of the best you can sacrifice on. And then put in what you want to put in. Exactly. So, talking with Val Vandervoort with the Vandervoort Group, you can find her with Keller Williams or her website is valvandervoort.com. That's V-A-L-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-O-R-T.com. Take a break here. I'll come back talk more real estate with Val Vandervoort. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. 
Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Talk with Val Vandervoort today about real estate. I'm trying to have a kind of a discussion per se. Um, I think real estate's kind of intimidating for a lot of people the first time they do it, and then after they do it, they kind of fall in love with it. Um, I've got an email from someone recently who he wants to become a real estate investor. And I'm like, uh oh. He's got $80,000 he wants to buy in Sacramento. And my first thought was, why do you want to become an, why do you want, why do you want to call yourself an investor all of a sudden? Um, cause that kind of scares me. I see a lot of people who, I'm not going to say are shady cause I'm talking to you and I don't want to make it sound like there's anything wrong with buying real estate. There's some people who teach people how to buy real estate and that kind of spooks me. Do you see investors come up to you and go, you know, if I give you $80,000, what can you buy me? Or do you see any of that? We see people wanting to flip. Okay. And, you know, it's definitely, you're competing against people who are truly pros at it, who uh, they, you know, they're general contractors. So they have the subs and the people ready to go. And it's really hard as just kind of a one-off uh, to compete with those people. Just you're, you can't compete as far as what the price of the renovations is going to cost. So um, it's definitely, you know, really caught um, wind, and there's a lot of people who want to do it, and the competition to do it is pretty pretty severe. So would, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but would you discourage people from this idea? Do you see it like done? I see it done on almost a corrupt level. Where you can go to a seminar on a weekend yeah. and teach how to buy. Oh, yeah. That stuff is, you know, I've I've been to one of those as kind of research before, and it, it feels uh, kind of you cringe when you're in there. Um, so I don't know if we necessarily see it being the people out there. I, I, I guess the people who are putting on those seminars may be corrupt, but what we see as far as happening in the marketplace, I don't think that they're necessarily corrupt. They're just people who – um, have the resources to do it um, that kind of eliminate the the guy who's going to do one or two here or there. And typically what I'll find out in, in this case, the guy was interested about Sacramento, which Sacramento is nice because there's government up there, so there's jobs, but Sacramento is kind of not great because when you drive through on your way to Tahoe, you're like, this is a lot of land. Mm-hmm. Townhouses, and then there's a lot of land, and there's townhouses, and then there's a lot of land, and more townhouses. Mm-hmm. So I like... The idea of the peninsula, because there's not a lot of land, yep. and it's it's pretty tough to you know get a, a townhouse development put up now because they've been put up already. Mm-hmm. It's not totally true. I'm I know yeah. in, in my hometown they're going to start putting up townhouses within 20 feet of a train, yep. and people will pay top dollar for it. And yep. I know parents who are lining up yeah. to put their kids in a condo so they can be in that school district. And I'm like, kids in a condo? Yeah. And that's where I become a little bit of a snob. <laughs> But there's definitely been a change in people's mindset as far as, you know, living closer in towards transportation. That's an incredibly hot segment right now. We have a lot of people who are like, "Mm, we want to be in close to transportation. We want to walk to downtown. And, you know, if you have to sacrifice yard space for it, they'll do it because there could be a park close by. But that that is definitely uh, on people's minds these days to live life that way. Interesting. It's the hip thing. That's that's fascinating because it's so not me. <laughs> and again, I think that some of our real estate perceptions come from your childhood. Yeah, definitely. You want, you want to live in a house similar to your parents, and then like you're like, no, 
yeah. not going to happen. But things change. Um, I had a conversation with a friend back on the East Coast, and you and I had this conversation off air. And it's just one of those questions I keep going back to anytime I talk to someone in real estate. Will your children be able to live in the city that you that they grew up in? Mm-hmm. And the Bay Area, you said something fascinating. You said, I'm going to wait till I, my kids are 25 to see where they settle down. Then I'll buy a house there. So there's a good chance you're going to be in Austin or you're going to be in Texas. Or you're going to be in more affordable cities and not mm-hmm. the Bay Area cities on the coast. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it's interesting. I've noticed over the last few years being at open houses, talking with the people who are coming through, and there's a lot of people who I would say are nearing retirement who – all right, they, they, that's what they're saying. Our children can't afford to buy here, so they're living elsewhere, and we're starting to contemplate, you know, getting out of the area. And we used to have, I think, fewer people who wanted to give up their house when they retired. But I think over the last 10 years, we're seeing more people who are saying, okay, when I retire, I, I'm ready to give up my house here and go someplace else. Which do you enjoy doing more, selling a new home, um, selling a home, or buying a home? I, you know, I really enjoy the process of working with buyers to get them into homes. Sellers oftentimes are leaving the area, and um, and it's a different process as far as the time that you spend together. So you don't necessarily make quite the connection with sellers that you do with buyers, and it's really just so fulfilling to work with buyers and get them into a house and you know, have them in the community and, you know, get to further your relationship with them. So it's a, it's a much more fulfilling to work with buyers. And from your perspective, working with buyers probably produces a lot more network leads. Is that fair to say? I guess so. Yeah. We are, our the Vanderfort group does a good job of keeping in touch with our clients and um, having gatherings with our clients. And so, um, you know, we like to stay in touch with them and then, yeah, they send referrals our way. It's interesting. Those little network gatherings, they pay off, don't they? Uh, they do. I think just that people remember you and, you know, know that you care and want to take care of them. I work my, – my best friend is a mortgage lender, and he gets a lot of leads from me, uh-huh. and he gives them to different realtors, and it's crazy some of the gifts that realtors will give him. Oh. He's he's stunned by it, but he, I'm like, you just sent, you know, $6,000, $10,000 commission in that direction, and yeah. they're going to get you – a $400 gift as yeah. a kind of a thank you. And I was, it's interesting the way, the way that works. Um, yeah, well, and we, you know, like we do, you know, have fun with our clients as far as kind of gifts when they close. And we always love the nest and uh, a neat gift for our buyers when they close. And You did something kind of fun where uh, last year when Star Wars came out, yeah. you uh, rented a movie theater for a lot of your clients. Yeah. And uh, what was nice about that was it had a family feel to it. Yeah. So, like you said, helping buyers get into a home, sometimes they're young people, and then you, you know, kind of network with them, and you kind of see uh, it's a community that you're putting together, ultimately, all things considered. Yeah, yeah, and we want to be around for our clients after they get into a house that, you know, they have needs on projects at the house, and we are there as a resource for them with uh, various vendors that we've made relationships with. What do you think about staging a home when it's <laughs> time for putting it up for sale? Because I remember my home was so nice and clean when I bought it, and now it's kind of scuffed up and dirty. I'll, I'll at least clean it up, but should I stage it as well? I, I say to my sellers every time I meet with them, if there's no other investment you make in putting your house on the market, uh, staging is the one to do. And it's kind of like almost a temporary model, you would say. But let's say it costs $4,000 for staging a house that's, you know, say 2,000 square feet or so. And you, I used to say you'd get maybe three times that back. I, you really probably get 
maybe five to ten times back. I mean, it's just amazing what a difference it makes. It's it's definitely the best money put into uh, prepping a house to go on the market. And as a realtor, you probably have seen some great stated companies and some companies that do a little less mm-hmm. lackadaisical. Yeah. So there's part- there's the realm, you know, kind of based on what the budget is of the of the seller. Okay. Yeah. How about home improvements before it comes time to sell? Yeah, so uh, painting is uh, flooring and kind of a kitchens, uh, you know, spiff up the kitchen a little bit. Countertops go a long ways. But not a whole, not a whole new kitchen. No, because the cabinetry is so expensive. So in order to kind of get that back, it's difficult. But like, it is interesting that the the countertops not a huge investment, but you get a good return on, especially when you've got that like yellow tile with the brown grout. That swapping out to quartz or granite can go a long way. Been in my home. <laughs> That's that was my home not too long ago. <laughs> also, so which home improvements do you prefer? When people want to just they got some equity on the home, and uh, do you like the bathrooms? Do you like the kitchens? Yeah, it's funny. There was a house I went into recently where the bathrooms were beautiful, but the kitchen was dated, and it was kind of weird because I don't know. It just felt like. Boy, these people must not like to cook. They must love their bathroom. But, it, like, definitely doing a kitchen remodel is one of the best things you can do. The people, they want to entertain, um, even if maybe they're not big cooks. But that's just such a focal point in a house that that's one of the best that you can put your money into. I would drive you crazy as a potential client. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I'll say things like, don't show me a house with any electric stoves. Oh, well, um, I, if, yeah. if, if it's not natural gas, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Well, it's funny, like even like pools, right? It's like, you know what? And that the, when we have limited inventory, it's like you don't know how easy of a fix it is to swap out to a gas line and put, you know what? Like that is an easy fix. Like don't don't get focused on that. And like with pools, it's like if you don't have a lot of choices out there, if you like a house and you like the lot, but it's got a pool, you know, then maybe you invest the money to get that pool out of there. Yeah. So how much does that cost, do you think? Uh, in my conversations with contractors, it's interesting that one thing you don't think about is how easy is it to access the backyard. So if it's easy to access it and you can get a big machine out there to dig it up really quickly, uh, then it's cheaper. If it's a narrow passageway and it's, you know, you're going to have a little bobcat, it's going to be more. So it's probably somewhere twenty, maybe $30,000 to do it. Interesting. I lived in a house, I rented a house in the neighborhood before I bought. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was just a good idea to make sure I liked I, the neighborhood. I agree. Yep. So I did that for a couple of years and the house had a pool. And it's a classic pool story in, in San Carlos because it's the house that has the pool that a car drove into. Oh, I've not heard that so one. It's from Alameda to Pagas. So it just oh, over yeah. the hill, straight down and uh, into the pool. So it's also the house that had the pool that a deer drowned in. Aww. Not quite as good as the car no. in the pool. No. Anyway, I'm speaking with Val Vandervoort. You can find her at vandervoort.com. It's V-A-L-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-O-R-T, Val Vandervoort.com. She's with Keller Williams and the Vandervoort Group. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. 
Welcome back in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing more. Speaking with Val Vandervoort from the Vandervoort Group. Keller Williams, you can find her at valvandervoort.com. If you need the spelling on that, just drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Val, what do you think about using websites like Trulia and Zillow as far as research tools? Okay, research tools, they may give you some interesting information. As far as really tracking what's out there on the market, they are not a great place to go. So they don't have live feed from the multiple listing service. So they're aggregating the information from a variety of sources, which I, I, they don't really disclose, I think, how that happens. That's part of their special sauce. But they show, like I had a property late last year that closed, and um, it was still showing up on Trulia and Zillow, and I had you know, buyers calling in and saying, hey, what about this property? And it's, it's I think, frustrating for the buyers, and they, I think, lose trust in you as, a, as an agent to some extent because they, they think you're the one who's kind of still having it out there advertising it, and that's something that uh, Trulia and Zillow just, what, for whatever reason, they can't figure out that some of these things are sold and get them off their website. One big mistake that Zillow made with my property, and I'll take a look on it on occasion. Yeah. Um, they had my home not in the square footage, but in the lot size. So okay. it, it looked like it was a 10,000 square foot house. And What was your value? About, about $29 million. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. So, I, I should have sold it. Yeah, day. that's right. <laughs> the buyer would have never known. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a big lot in a small house. Is it, When people go to buy homes, should they be aware of, of, do you want a big lot? Do you want a bigger house? Yeah. Is there, do you, or you can't really figure that out yet? Oh, no, no. People love, I mean, just to have the space on a lot is, you know, any day of the week, man, buy a house with, uh, you know, a big lot and a small house on it. It, it, The land is just so valuable. Yeah. Land is valuable. And that's, you know, a good insurance tip for people is, you know, land probably won't go away. Insure the home. Yeah. A lot of companies, you know, you call to get insurance on your home and they, they get you to, you buy a house for a million, but the house is only worth 350 to rebuild, and mm-hmm. the, the lot 650, and they get insurance for a million. You just need the insurance for 350. That's right. Yep. So, okay. Yeah, but lots just always have such great value. Yeah. So there's a, a house on my street, and I'm using this as my I get to pick your brain for okay. me okay. hour. Okay. Um, <laughs> Everyone will enjoy this. It was it was a ding, dingy house a yep. year ago. They did a tear down and they did a rebuild. Yeah. And it's going for. A ridiculous price, $2.8 million. Yeah. On one hand, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Because that square footage will become a comp. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not ready to sell yet, so I shouldn't be thrilled. And should I be worried? Like, it, it, it feels like it's a million too much. I mean, that's it feels like it's priced a million too much. Yeah, and then you see what other people are paying for similar houses, and that's what they're what they're paying. Um, Do you know, you know the 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 place that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. Is it priced right, do you think? Do you think it'll go for that? Uh, so, similar house. Uh, it's in contract now, so we don't know the sale price, but I, they're they're close. They're close. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I, I never would have dreamed in all my life that I'd live on a street that had a $2.8 million house. Yeah. I mean, it really has gone up a lot over the last few years. Okay. So, um, as a realtor, you've got a great job, and I highly recommend people consider it if they've got the skill sets for it, because... You can work until you're 80 years old. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's not lovely. Uh, um, well, no, I think there, and also I think if you're you're good in the business, you really enjoy it, and that that 
you know, there is a work component of it, but it's also enjoyable. So it is something that, you know, you may not do at the same speed that you do um, in your 40s and 50s, but that, you know, you can continue to do it. I like your group a lot because I'm not going to say it's it's centric, family-oriented, but real estate it can kind of turn me off at times, like the mm. the people who have got the fake boobs or the <laughs> really expensive car that they take you around in. Um, that's a turnoff to me. Yeah. It, it's, it's yeah. The, the business suit. I'd rather see someone dressed fairly normal. I'm yeah. not saying you're not I'm, you're not shabby. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Am I, I am I making any sense to you? No, I totally agree that uh, I, you know materialism in any I think field or you know can can be a little bit off putting, yeah. um, and just being real is much better. And that may come also from most of my experience, like San Francisco, mm. where Buying a house in San Francisco, it's more, I'm not going to say corporate, but I like the person who's lived in the neighborhood that I'm buying in, who knows the schools and could actually say, oh, yeah, my kid had that teacher. You'll love that school. So Yeah, that inside knowledge as far as what the community is like. Inside knowledge is a good thing, in my opinion. And again, I'm not knocking well-polished people. Yeah. I just don't think it, it goes a long way to be for a sale. Yeah. Because you've got to have, have substance underneath that. So I'm seeing a lot of people leaving the area. Mm-hmm. which is not good because they're people, they're my peers. So I've seen a lot of kids, uh, you know, families in kindergarten, first grade, that the parents are like, we're going to Austin yeah, uh, just because of affordability. Mm-hmm. So are you seeing a lot of that? You know, it, I haven't followed the, it'd be interesting to see kind of what the numbers are as far as, okay, who, how many are coming, leaving and how many are coming in? Cause okay. we still, right. We have an inventory shortage still, I would say, um, so, yeah, I think there are people who I think about that in my mind. It's like we're really blessed here in this area as far as what has happened to our property values and just that notion of kind of the world's your oyster. You can go to a lot of places. You could cash out on equity in your house and, you know, go to a lot of different locations and buy a house outright and um, and I think have a an easier pace of life. Maybe not as many opportunities job-wise, but... You know, there are a lot of other things you would get. Any part of you want to become like a vacation realtor? No, I don't think so. Um, You don't want to go to Santa Barbara or Hawaii? No, no. Um, It's, I think it's much more interesting. Can I I tempt you to Mexico? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, It'd be weird, you know, practicing in a place like that where there's, you know, you don't have the same... I guess, uh, structure that we have here in the United States. But yeah, and you know, like our area is just, it's not a vacation place. It's where people are really living and working. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Airbnb. We'll talk about vacation. Yeah. We got some more stuff lined up okay. in the second hour. You can find Val at Val Vandervoort or valvandervoort.com. It's V-A-L-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-O-R-T.com. He's with Keller Williams and the Vandervoort Group. Have questions? Give us a call, 800 1220. Drop it me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.